During the COVID-19 pandemic, technology remains a driving force in the path to find answers and grapple with the unknown. As we search for solutions and explanations in uncertain times, science can either drive us toward life-changing solutions or weird conspiracy theories. Trying times have sprung technologists into action, bringing tech firms, scientists, and researchers together like never before to take on a global pandemic. But when times are hard, humans are further motivated to find explanations and make sense of things they don't understand, even if that means seeing patterns that don't exist. It all boils down to how we handle uncertainty. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story examines technology's key role in the fight against COVID-19. As Apple and Google team up to take on the spread of the coronavirus, we'll explore how advanced tracking technology can make contact tracing more effective and radically transform the pandemic response. By using the smartphones that reside in almost everyone's pockets, the two firms aim to fine-tune a contact tracing app that could potentially contain the spread of the virus without the need for mass lockdowns. Our second story traces back to a strange baseless theory that emerged in February 2020, that 5G wireless technology caused the COVID-19 pandemic. As these false theories spread, psychologists help explain the flip side of new technology and how the confusion it creates can drive some toward conspiracy theories. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we'll explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, Apple and Google's plan for a coronavirus system that could radically transform the response. Trying to get that up to scale, which is going to be the equivalent of trying to get Apollo 13 back to Earth 220,000 miles 50 years ago. It is a very difficult uh, task. But we're going to forge ahead with it in any case. That was New York Governor Andrew Cuomo at an April 2020 briefing where he noted contact tracing as a key component to the phased reopening of the economy when the outbreak is under control and quarantine can be lifted. While quarantined, I'm sure that you, like many of us, are relying on that one special, constant companion that can get you through all the highs and lows your smartphone. Human and phone have long been a fine codependent pair, this we know. In a poetic twist as of late, though, the smartphone now brings together an unlikely pairing in the form of Apple and Google. Normally staunch rivals, the tech giants are putting their differences aside to help fan the flames of a rapidly spreading coronavirus. Enter contact tracing. Basically, it's old-school detective work of sorts, a medical version of CSI. It comes down to finding each sick person and then figuring out who exactly they interacted with. The process helps get outbreaks of diseases like COVID-19 under control, and current smartphone technology can only help streamline that process. In fact, it's a method that's been used in some Asian countries to curb coronavirus contagion. South Korea, for example, used this digital surveillance tech more aggressively. They used GPS location-based smartphone apps to monitor self-quarantine infected patients. Singapore is another country using app tech to carry out contact tracing for coronavirus. This video from the Government Technology Agency of Singapore, Cheery Music and Toe, explains how the app Trace Together works to do just that. 
Play your part in fighting COVID-19 with just two simple steps. One, download Trace Together and help those around you to set it up. Two, turn on your Bluetooth and it is as simple as that. Get peace of mind for you and your family through community-driven contact tracing. Here in the U.S., critics have pushed back, saying it violates people's privacy and could even expose confidential health details. At a press conference shortly after the Apple-Google announcement, President Trump addressed how some have, quote-unquote, very big constitutional problems with this tech. A lot of people don't like it from the standpoint of uh, constitutional rights. I mean, a lot of people don't like it, and some people think it's great. We have the greatest companies in the world looking at things that, in a year from now, everything that we're looking at now is going to be up. Obsolete. That's how good it is. It's an amazing thing. Addressing these concerns, Apple and Google say the short-range Bluetooth tech will not track physical locations or collect data that could reveal a person's identity. So, how will this tech actually work? And if enough willing participants opt in, could this form part of a strategy that finally builds an alternative to mass lockdowns? Here to help fill us in is Inverse staff writer Mike Brown. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you, right? Good. So um, wrapping my head around this whole concept of contact tracing, it's really interesting. It's obviously been done for many years in the past, but um, we're just sort of familiarizing ourselves with it more these days. So ideal circumstances, how would people potentially use Apple and Google systems to do this? Yeah. So their plan has uh, two phases, essentially. The first would uh, come out in May and uh, would essentially support uh, health authorities is apt by uh, using the Bluetooth signal uh, in the phones to identify who came into contact with each other. And uh, I can go into a little bit of bit further detail about that later. Um, but essentially, uh, a health authority would develop their app and they can use the Apple and Google system to understand how people came into contact with each other. And then there's a second phase that's going to come out a bit later where... Uh, this technology will be built into the operating system. Um, so that will involve a broader Bluetooth-based contact tracing platform uh, built right into iOS and Android. Another similar project is this MIT-led effort called Private Automatic Contact Tracing, or PACT for short. It uses a similar approach to the one Apple and Google are using. Where do they stand? Where do they weigh in as a player in this game who's also championing this tech? Well, so they're both uh, very similar systems. The MIT system called PACT. We asked the PACT team uh, what they thought about Apple and Google's announcement. Uh, they said to us, uh, we are thrilled to see Apple and Google join the work underway to develop contact tracing systems that could help track the spread of COVID-19 while preserving user privacy. Um, in order for such a system such as ours to be implemented widely, it is imperative that smartphone manufacturers and designers like Apple and Google are involved so that any contact tracing system could be deployed widely. We look forward to working with them on advancing this imperative effort to help tackle the COVID-19 pandemic. So you see there is uh, these two different systems at play here. And uh, I think there, there may be a question in the future about, uh, you know, who uh, who is remembered for the idea, uh, which organization uh, is remembered in the public eye and uh, how that might feed into the history of coronavirus when we look back. 
And, uh, you know, we were sort of talking about this beforehand, how it's an interesting parallel to, uh, you know, days past where there's a similar kind of analogy with the polio vaccine. And it's sort of a matter of, OK, who who owns the technology in the end? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Hillary Koprowski uh, developed a uh, polio vaccine um, uh, a few years before uh, Jonas Salk and uh, Albert Sabin, who are remembered for developing the vaccines in the uh, public imagination. And uh, you can maybe see as the uh, sort of history of coronavirus is being written in front of us, really, how uh, some people's efforts uh, will be remembered, other people's efforts, uh, even though they they also played an important role, uh, may not be remembered in the public eye in the same way. But getting back to the technology and trying to learn more about how this will work in the coming months, um, this Bluetooth low energy specification, it's a little bit involved. I'm wondering if you can just maybe help us understand the technology a little bit better. Yeah. Apple and Google's system is using Bluetooth low energy. Your phone will uh, create a tracing key uh, when you first sign up for contact tracing. It then creates a daily tracing key every day from that uh, original key. And then it creates a uh, proximity identifier uh, from the daily tracing key. The long and short of it is I uh, bump into you out and about. Our phones will keep a log of the signals that they hear from other phones nearby. When a patient is uh, diagnosed, they can uh, alert, they can look at the list of identifiers that they detected and uh, alert other people if they came into contact with a phone belonging to a patient. So basically your phone will look through the server to uh, see if it picked up any of those signals, uh, but it won't relay to the server that you did come into contact with the patient. But like with social distancing, there's enough to make us believe that it works when enough people do it. And then the question becomes, well, how do you get everyone to do it? One way to do this, as, as you mentioned in your article, would be to have the feature built in to the operating system instead of requiring users to download an app. That could be something that could really streamline this whole effort. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, this is something very worth highlighting is the, um, the fact that Singapore's Trace Together app, um, only uh, one in six people had downloaded it. And if you have it built in at the operating system level, you know, you're effectively placing this in a much more prominent position. NHSX, which is working on the uh, UK government's uh, um, contact tracing app, predicts that around uh, half the population leaving the house would need to sign up for it to be effective. So uh, really, that's the sort of figure that we will be aiming for with this sort of system then. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of moving parts that are coming together. Mike's article really puts it into great perspective. So I encourage listeners to check it out. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> no problem. Thank you very much. Like the coronavirus... 5G comes with a confusion that creates uncertainty. And with uncertainty comes conspiracy theories. Now, a look at how false claims about 5G became so popular and why scientists are concerned. Get it down. 5G gone, bro. Burn it. Bro, it's going to burn it. Still here. 5G gone, bro. 5G gone, bro. That was footage of citizens burning down 5G towers in the UK by April 2020. 
Demonstrations against 5G have not been limited to Britain, and as the controversial tech continues to confuse the masses, it also continues to elicit violence, anger, and a wave of new backlash every day. But what really ignited this fire to begin with? The initial spark started in February 2020 as baseless theories linking 5G technology with the COVID-19 pandemic began to spread like wildfire on social media. YouTube videos far and wide had also done its part in fanning conspiracy theory flames for weeks. A quick sampling. So in case you're not aware, basically there's been this uh, conspiracy theory going around that 5G is the cause of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. All the studies are showing is unsafe, but yet the government keeps telling you, no, 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 it's safe, trust us. Guys, This is there's something going on here. Is this being caused by 5G towers? Yes, no, oh. please. But the 5G is the extermination grid of you and your family, and it will kill you. Pretty soon, celebrities like MIA and Woody Harrelson caught wind of the conspiracy smoke and helped waft these theories through the funnels of social media. Soon enough, one thing became clear. A bona fide 5G conspiracy theory is sticking around and scientists are beginning to get concerned. And by the way, I know what you're still thinking. What is 5G anyway? This no doubt is poised to be one of humankind's eternal questions after how exactly did life begin and why do we dream? The answer still depends on who you ask, but here's a comprehensive, quick 5G primer from the lovely folks here at Inverse. In the simplest of terms, 5G is not necessarily a specific technology, rather a set of requirements that technology must meet. They involve a few metrics, but the most important is speed. 5G is able to achieve these speeds by tapping into higher frequencies, millimeter waves. These frequencies are basically unused. Think of it as an empty highway that your phone's network can fly down. Hope that helps. Here to help us explain how this 5G theory took on a life of its own and why this one continues to draw so many people in is Inverse staff writer Ali Patillo. How's it going, Ali? Hi, Tanya. Thanks for having me. Sure. So before we get into the whole power of conspiracy theories, it was interesting to see how this 5G one caught on and how it spread so quickly in particular. One thing we did see is how things can spread like wildfire in this celeb-driven social media culture, right? Celebrities with these big followings, they mix it up with the swiftness of social media, and like that, there's this lightning effect. How much do you think that aspect of the whole thing helped this 5G conspiracy take flight? How did we see celebrity and social media fuel this fire? Yeah, I mean, 5G network suspicion isn't exactly new for the past couple of years. A lot of people have questioned what this kind of technology offers, even questioned the health consequences of it, even though there's no scientific evidence of any harm from 5G technology. But the thing is, once things are spreading on social media, once a celebrity like Woody Harrelson or Carrie Hilson puts out there to their millions of followers. Um, these things just take off. And something I learned when I was doing the research for this is once the seed is planted, it's really hard to remove from people's minds. So even once things are widely debunked, conspiracy theories persist. Right. And you see that all the time on Twitter, not just in regards to social media, but, you know, people are just sticking to their story. And, you know, to that, despite the fact that a lot of these videos and blogs that ignite this firestorm of 5G conspiracy theory, even though they've been debunked, 
it doesn't seem to matter to those who believe. For example, you know, like you said, zero connections have been made, yet people still believe it. What is it about this whole um, idea of conspiracy theories? What is it about them that create this effect all the time? There seems to be this psychological playground where all kinds of things are at play in our mind. Yeah, I mean, right now, when when there are disorienting events in the world, um, so a pandemic, a terrorist attack, things that are really hard for people to understand, they want an explanation and they want, a lot of times people will draw patterns and that feeds conspiracy theories. So they want someone to blame, even if it is some kind of evil mastermind um, behind a particular event. And I think something that the researchers really stressed to me is people don't always understand the difference between causation and correlation. So just because two things might be happening at the same time doesn't mean one causes the other. But the problem is that a lot of times these conspiracy theories are being spread by people who claim to have some kind of scientific authority. And then, you know, and because these are theories, I mean, you can't necessarily say that they're fake news or just remove them outright. You know, it's a theory that people aren't saying it's fact. Um, So that's what makes the whole situation just really, really complicated. Right. And it's also interesting, too, because just to take it over the top with regards to 5G, it's this weird concept that people, you know, still don't understand. You you got into how it's been around for a couple of years, just the conspiracy theory of it all. But it just as a general function, people still don't get it. And that's a big deal here, too. When people have a hard time wrapping their heads around something that can only add to the appeal of a conspiracy theory, it seems. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think that people, anytime there's new technology in the world, so whether that's like when when the car was developed, um, when cell phones were first around, the researchers I spoke to said there were conspiracy theories that would bubble up. There's a lot of fear involved of the unknown. And then people kind of create these stories so they can make sense of them. It's also very psychological. You have to think that when things get more serious, when things get real, when there is a time of crisis, the legitimization of these conspiracy theories can really start to get dangerous. It's scary to think of the ways this can start to affect public health, for example. What more did you learn about these kinds of potential ramifications? You know, the 5G theory has already shown um, some pretty drastic effects. You know, we've seen cell towers go up in flames. We've seen hostility and harassment. And those kinds of violence and hate crimes can come along with conspiracy theories. We've seen that time and time again. And so there are real world consequences. And when there is a public health crisis in particular, um, where people, you know, it's, it's helpful and important for them to follow the guidance of trusted authorities. When you throw in a conspiracy theory that makes them question that guidance, the health ramifications are huge. So if people don't stay home or they don't wash their hands because they think that COVID-19 virus is coming from a cell tower, that could hasten the transmission of the virus. So these things aren't just kind of fringe theories that you can cast off. They have serious real world consequences. Right. And and speaking to that, you know, and to try not to cast off anything because it just might be a conspiracy theory. There's the other side of the coin, right? There's It's never all or nothing. People should have doubt. People should ask questions. And maybe the lesson here is that, you know, there is that balance and this 5G hype conspiracy can kind of serve as a reminder to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think anyone is advising people to just blindly follow the narratives that are circulating. I think that the, the kind of point of all of this and the take 
take-home message for me is to think through everything you hear, whether it's a conspiracy theory or you're reading, you know, the Washington Post to see what what the experts are saying. Um, I think that's that's the key here. And then you can make up your own mind. It's a good place to leave it. Ali Patillo, thanks as always. Thanks, Tanya. Head to inverse.com to read more about how science is changing what we know and how we manage uncertain times. You can click on the link in the show notes for that story and all others we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find the abstract and podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.